The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And welcome back to the First Cut Podcast. That is Kyle Porter. That is Sean Martin, PGATour.com. I'm Chip Patterson, back here at the Palatial Patterson Studios. The gentlemen are uh, in Farmingdale, or I, I guess wherever your your lodgings are. Round two in the books, uh, Brooks Kepka, the, the history maker. Kyle, I'm going to start with you. Sean, follow, but just sort of initial thoughts of what you've seen so far from Brooks Kepka through 36 holes. Should we tell them about what we're seeing right now out our hotel window? Yes. Maybe. It's a festive Friday night and in the media hotel. People are very excited for what's about to go down. Our hotel room overlooks the uh, the lobby, the bar of the media hotel. So is it all the um, – is it just yours or is it one of those where it's all around the outside and the bar is in the middle? Uh, there, are mul- there, are, yeah, there are other rooms that overlook it, but it's one of those two-way mirror window things where they can't see us, but we can see them. And, and it, it is, it's incredible. Well, and people are very excited because uh, industry secret, like a runaway winner is a huge advantage. Uh, a good thing for writers, like even the ratings might not be great if, you know, this thing is locked up before Sunday even starts, but you only have to worry about one, maybe two guys. And I don't have to worry about like 20 guys going into the weekend within three shots of the lead. So it definitely makes uh writer jobs a little easier. You can start a little bit later Saturday and now everyone's celebrating. Sean's Sean's Matt Wallace piece is just getting just destroyed as we speak. I mean, isn't that the move? You got to go. You got to find something else then, because that if if you if you're in charge of sidebar or providing additional content, then you're really grinding hard on uh, what Jazzy's going to do this weekend in terms of being able to lock up some uh, some future some future majors. Your sidebar is the alternate Kepka take. <laughs> like it's not. It's just like a hypothetical Kepka. Uh, I mean, so is is that it? Is that where we're at with the 2019 PGA Championship? It is a wrap, and the story is entirely going to be about Brooks Kepka. Because I, if 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 that's the case, and we start to have the conversation about what this particular run of majors means uh, in terms of golf's history, like I does does Tiger missing the cut. Uh, get overlooked by Brooks's greatness such that we just shrug our shoulders. It's like, yeah, well, Tiger hadn't played. He didn't play great. He missed the cut. Or is there more to be taken away from it? Uh, I think it only helps it because, so yeah, Tiger was probably rusty. He wasn't feeling his best. But at the same time, he arrived here as Tiger Woods, the reigning Masters champion at a course where he'd won the U.S. Open. And Brooks Kepka played alongside him and beat him by 17 shots over 36 holes. It's a joke. I don't think here. Here's here's a take. I don't think, I don't think Tiger came into this PGA like thinking, okay, I'm just gonna mail this in. Like I don't, I, I don't think that at all. I think he came in here like trying to win two in a row. But I do think over the last like 
four or five holes on yeah. on on <laughs> yes. Friday that it yes. was like, uh, I mean, and, and this is something that I talked to one of our people about. Chip is like he called it a pitch count, and it's true. Like Sean and I were reading this story in the New York Times where these doctors were interviewed and said, "Look, like this this type of surgery, like this type of reconstructed back." Like basically, it only has so much time left, so many swings left, and so I, I just I don't think he's like super disappointed to like subtract those you know hundred and forty three swings over the weekend that uh, or, or shots over the weekend plus all the warm ups. I just I don't you're down seventeen to Kepko. Like do you do you care about make does it matter? I, I just I don't think he was super dismayed about missing it. He birdies ten and eleven. And then things start to seem like they're going in the right direction. Uh, catches a couple more bogeys down the stretch. I I felt like he had almost sort of put it up in the air. I, I did. I wasn't quite all the way to checked out, but he certainly was gonna just play the string out and then just see what the rest of the field did at that point. Yeah, I walked with him on. 15 through 18 and he was just kind of like I, I don't know i mean he was it didn't feel like he was grinding i'll put it that way like he was not like locked in grinding to make the cut in the same way he would have if everybody was kind of bunched up because i mean what are you going to do on the weekend like go shoot 69 70 and collect your forty-seven thousand dollar check like I, I just you know uh, whatever and if you make the cut on the number, it's an early tea time Saturday, which means waking up early and going through whatever it is that he has to do to get his body ready. But if that is a, pro- I mean, that is a process. That is somebody needs to write that story. That I mean, I, I believe that that takes hours to do. I really do. Um, and so you're looking at an early tea time Saturday. So let's just go home and reconfigure, go to Memorial, and then win Pebble by eight. Easy. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Sean, are you a believer in his three forty five declaration? I think so, man. Just, I mean, you know, you got to do stuff to everyone jokes about activating certain parts of the body, but that's a real thing. Like you got to get moving. I, you know, Sean was activating his body when I left for the course today. Just, just doing these knee bends and elbow twists and all kinds of stuff. I've, I've got, I've got no reason to speak ill will about the man's preparation process. I've seen it in action. <laughs> it works. <laughs> uh, all right so where do we draw the circle like is it where where do we draw the line where do we draw the circle how many players in in even the most outrageous of circumstance because in my mind the most outrageous of circumstance is like 73 71 right like Kep, kepka ends up falling back to eight by the end of sunday so well the the record for largest 36 hole comeback in the PGA is nine shots. So if you go off that, that's eight guys. Uh, but I mean, so there's probably four guys that even have a chance. Three, two. I think it's DJ and I, I, I think it's DJ. Yeah. Ooh. I don't, I mean, speed's weekend play has been horrendous. I mean, right. when you're trying to, you know, you're not fully comfortable with your swing as the pressure increases uh, it starts to leave you, and that's what we've seen this year from Spieth. He's had some good Thursdays and Fridays, and and played well, but his Saturdays and Sundays have been atrocious, just because you get a little bit of get him under the heat just a little bit, and and those cracks reveal themselves. So I'm not ready to say that the slump is over for Spieth, and he's going to go out there and and put pressure on Brooks. So yeah, I mean, I think DJ, I think Scotty could do it. I think, I mean, this is a ball striking course, and and that's his his specialty. But so I think those are maybe the two main guys to look at. 
Here, here's the here's the thing, Chip. Like, so DJ's or excuse me, Kepka's at seventeen strokes gained on the field right now, which is just a, a preposterous number through two rounds. The field average uh, scoring on the weekend is probably going to be around 72, 73. Even if he shoots like 70 and gains four or five more strokes and gets to like, like if you, if you're gaining 20, if you gain between 20 and 24 strokes on the field in a tournament, you, you win like 99% of the time. So all he has to do is go shoot like, like if he shoots 70, 70, like there's a, like a hundred percent chance that he's going to win. He didn't even have to break par anymore. And and this is a course where, because there's not a lot of water, it, it's I think it's easier to kind of. Th- there's not that massive number out there, so it almost becomes easier to defend than at a place like Augusta, where obviously we saw, you know, Spieth make a seven on number twelve. Like uh, that that number just doesn't seem to be out there for very many people. So Brooks said himself he did he felt like today was a battle that. His putter was hot and kept sure. it. The, long, the longest sure. putt he made was eleven feet today. Yeah, yeah, sure. So cool. you you don't you don't believe in his claim that today didn't come as easily as yesterday? He gained six strokes to your green. I, you you were walking with him, asking what you saw. I can I can I, read I can I read saw, a stat sheet. I saw somebody that was just locked in from. We just talked to uh, his his agent down in the the uh, hotel lobby, and he was talking about like his precision from 150 to 175 is just a joke right now. And that's the thing that kills me. Like we always talk about, or I always talk about the, the sound, like his driver makes, it's just like, it's so sick. It's unbelievable. But to have that kind of touch from like 170 in, even around the greens, it's just, he's gotten up and down six out of seven times. Uh, I, I just, his touch is incredible for somebody that's that powerful. The other thing that helps Brooks is obviously how long he is, but I mean the main struggle with the rough here is just being able to advance it. Guys have trouble with that, but it's not as much of a problem for Brooks because he hits it so far that he has shorter approach shots, and then he's so strong that he can get it out of the rough and onto the green, and the greens are softer than your normal major championship. So you know, normally at like a U.S. Open, if you're hitting it out of the rough, it's hard to even hold the greens. So that's not necessarily the case here. The bigger struggle is trying to advance it to the green and and he can do that so even if he has a slightly bad driving day he still can hit greens from the rough which there's not many guys who can do that out here so that's why i think it's harder for him to kind of back up um and then even harder for the guys who are pursuing him and then he's putting well the greens here are pretty flat and we've seen him pouring putts in um especially in the in the first round so i just don't see like kyle said with not a lot of water not a lot of trouble i don't see how he would back up he has two bogeys through 36 holes sean how do you grade out? Ask him about Hideki. Oh, I was going to ask him about Rory. Oh, gosh. <laughs> How do you grade out Rory's 40-31-71? Because I, I've, I think I've decided that no one else in golf right now looks better underperforming than Rory McIlroy. I love watching <laughs> That's the it. Thing. It's the story of Rory. It's like the Fred Couples thing, right? It's, you know, we take tempo. Like, tempo is and rhythm are like this judgment of of skill in a sense of like you know fred couples made it look so easy right because he had this smooth tempo so you're like look it's so smooth and easy how does he not win more and rory kind of has that same curse of like when he's playing well he makes it look so easy that then when he doesn't do it you're like how can you not do that all the time like you just won the players championship 
and it didn't even look like you broke a sweat. You're just banging driver all over TPC Sawgrass, hitting it places where you're not supposed to hit it. And then now you're over here at, at the PGA, and, and you're not even going to make the cut until finally like that magic comes back and shooting 31 looks super easy. And it's like, well, where was that the first 27 holes? The 31 was disgusting. It was sick. I mean, he just I mean, he, he looks really, really good underperforming. I love watching it. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the deal. He gained over two strokes on the field with his putter on Friday and shot over par. That that should not happen. But when you start, when you freaking, I mean, talk about like ejecting. Like the first three holes, it's just like, I, I get it. Like they're hard holes, but to start double bogey double, it was just, it was lousy. Like it was just terrible. And so then the 31 is rendered just meaningless, you know. Um yeah, it was disappointing. I mean, and especially because like he he came in this week as he's been the best player in the world into in 2019, like by far, and um, just I don't know, just didn't didn't have it. Rory and Brooks are on opposite sides of the golf spectrum right now, right? Yeah, like the the, the non majors versus majors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, they're both a, brought- they're both elite, but in very very different ways. Yeah, it's it is weird. Like Rory has been unreal at non majors, and Kepka is going to go probably T two and first at the first two majors of twenty nineteen. Stupid! It's it's, it's crazy. Uh, what do we think about the Nike hats? <laughs> Sean's disgusted. I want to be. My son's really into. Uh, I'm a little teapot. He enjoys singing that. And so I kind of think, you know, when, when it says pour me over and tip me out and you go sideways, like then Nike would be written the correct way. Like you got to just pour me over and tip me out to, to be able to read it. Wow. Uh, what do you think? I, I, I don't mind him. I just don't need the, the red that Jason Day was wearing. Oh, his color, his color was, was sharp. It was, uh, that one was, it was, it was stinging to the eyes or pungent even. Yeah, it was, it was like, <laughs> it was like Georgia red, but like just too too like up close like it was too it was too much we'll be getting into our ideal finish and more takeaways from beth page black right after this this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now it's time for the perfect finish brought to you by Amstel Light. We're predicting the perfect finish. We're trying to conjure up what might be the ideal finish to the 101st PGA Championship at Bethpage Black. Kyle and Sean will go one, one each. What is the okay. perfect finish on Sunday? Yeah, I'll go first. Here's my perfect finish. Kepka shoots 65 in round three, and then and then like 66 in the fourth round, and wins by like 15. Like I'm going, I'm going the other way from D, like DJ or Spieth running him down, or Adam Scott or Jazzy or whoever. I, I want him to win by a couple of touchdowns. I think that would. I think it. I think it'd be awesome. I would love it. So that that would be my my perfect finish is him finishing uh, birdie birdie on seventeen eighteen on Sunday to 
get to 23 under and win by 15. Yeah, I need a 67 out of him tomorrow so he can set the 54-hole scoring record at the PGA because he currently has the 18, 36, and 72-hole scoring records in the tournament's history. So he might as well just get them all four. And I'm with Kyle. I want like a 10-shot victory because if somehow this got tight or like he leaked oil coming in and like, you know, right now we're just gushing over Brooks' dominance, but if he shoots like 72, 72 and wins by one over Adam Scott, then like you don't know what to do with it because you're like, yeah, he just won his fourth major in eight starts. And that's amazing, and, and more credit to him. But then you're also like, but we just kind of saw Brooks Kepka leak some oil for the first time. You know, he's known as this just brash closer. Like Aaron Hills, he kind of things are getting tight, and he I think he birdies three straight holes and runs away from the field and wins by four. And you know, at Bell Reef, he holds off Tiger and um, and at Shinnecock, Tommy Fleetwood posts early, and he just like isn't even phased and and finishes strong to to hold off Fleetwood. So like. We haven't seen uh, that like imperfection down the stretch yet. It's kind of like Francesco at the Masters. Like you almost didn't know what to do with it in a sense. Like it got overshadowed because Tiger won, but Francesco had been so solid. Now you're like, wait, now now there's a chink in the armor, and it's the same thing with Brooks. And so it just gets kind of complex and murky if he like wins by two or something. So I think at this point, let him win by ten, and we can gush about him and put him in the historical context, and you know, call him the compare him to Tiger and just get totally silly and out of control and. And just, you know, get over the top with takes. Chip, are you in on Brooks or out? You're in, right? Yeah, I'm in. Like, I, I, I feel like I go back and forth by, like, every round. I think at this point, people are in. Everyone, everyone wants to see history. Like, Yeah, but just on, like, just on him. Like, do we, do we, are you in, like in on him? I don't, I don't, I'm not talking about like the 2019 PGA. I'm not talking about what I'm just talking about like him as a, as a golfer. I think I told you a while ago, I, I recognize that my, my core programming doesn't necessarily line up with Brooks Kepka's, but that doesn't mean that we can't communicate. And that doesn't mean that I can't appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing I do like is I feel like the chip on the, sh- no, not you, but the chip on the shoulder, uh, <laughs> has diminished a little bit and that's made him more likable so at first the narrative was like oh no one respects me i'm gonna win these majors and stick it to him and like in his press conference now before the tournament it was more like yeah you know some of that got out of hand and and some of that was like my own fault because i played it up because i really wanted it to inspire me and he you know he's kind of walking it back a little bit the whole like yeah no one respects me kind of thing uh and so i thought that that made him a little more approachable and likable because he wasn't just out there trying to like stick it to everyone. And he was backing off that kind of maybe tough guy thing a little bit. I still don't know if he cares or not. Like sometimes he acts like he really does. And then other times he acts like he doesn't. I think he does care, but I think he knows that the only way to win is by walking around. Like he doesn't care. Yeah. And actually he had the great point. This is a really cool insight, which I appreciated because he led us kind of behind the curtain a little bit, but he was talking about how like on the course he never slams his club or like one arms a finish uh, or looks disgusted with a shot because he doesn't want other players in his group to know that he mishit it and then let that influence their own club selection like on a par three and also doesn't want them to then have the satisfaction like, oh, maybe he's not on his game today. Maybe I do have a chance. So he just wants to always kind of present that like kind of tough guy, flawless uh, impenetrable image 
because he doesn't want to help his competitors. So I do think part of it is that he just does that because he cares so much. He knows that he has to do that to win. Do you think John Rahm's ever one arm to finish or slammed his club? <laughs> Did you see him going to the bathroom today while DJ's DJ's like pulling six iron and Rahm's going pee in the woods at Bethpage? What are you doing? Did I you see the, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. That one that was that, that was unbelievable. That that's one of those moments that extends beyond Slack, and I'm also getting hit up on the uh, the group chats about. It's like, yo, do y'all realize the broadcast just showed John Rom peeing? <laughs> oh, oh man. man, no, like, hey, listen, I'm I I started to come around on Brooks. Remember, he went on that tour with the P, with the Wanamaker in around like what January or February. And yeah, he was talking yeah. real reckless through all that. And I, yeah. I, I liked the spiciness. And if you're going to, when Brooke starts bringing the spicy, I was with it. And, you know, he had the, the weight loss and the Brandle like thing going back and forth. I'm, I'm in, I'm in on Brooks's involvement in this space. Right. Yeah, and, and I go I back to like, well, again, our core programming is very, very different. Our hopes, our dreams, our likes, our dislikes. We were, that is not somebody that I think I want to spend 48 hours with, but I'm in, I'm in. I guess I just, I, I think that he, the, the, the thing that we've been, not me and Sean, but the thing that, uh, other people and I have been talking about is that he acts like he doesn't care, but I think he like really cares a lot. Like maybe even more than some people who you would just think are indifferent. And so I don't, like, I don't like that part of the vibe, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. And maybe that's a misinterpretation of like who he is. Well, that's why I appreciate that. He's walking that back a little bit. It's not the me against the world thing anymore. Instead, it's like, yo, I'm just really good and I know it. And that, which is fine. Like yeah. I, I, that, yeah. I'm in on that. Like, I think he's walking back the me against the world. And I think like even in his presser a little bit before the tournament, I think he like wants to let people in a little bit more because now he realizes like. I mean, if he wins his fourth major in eight starts, like he's the guy. And yeah, he, I, know. I know. And I think he realizes that, and I think that he knows that, like responsibility that comes with responsibility. I think what's crazy is I, I, I sort of laughed at him for saying, you know, why can't I get to double digits uh, in in majors? And you're like, okay, well, how about you get to like Rory first, and then start talking about, uh, you know, player and nickel, you know, whatever. Um, but like he's kind of like making me believe that it could happen. I know, uh, like, I know you sort of think that he's on maybe a couple year heater and might cool. I mean, well, I do look back at like you know, I mean, Rory. When did he win his fourth major? He was like twenty five or yeah, something. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously he's going to prove me wrong. And but you know, you do you get on these runs of you know, I mean, Padraig Harrington was much older, but he won three majors in two years. Rory won four majors in three years. So we do see these runs the hardest thing is sustaining them. Um, and so that, I mean, that's going to be the next challenge. Yeah. I think, I think this weekend is huge shit because here's the, here's what's at stake is either he wins and he's like Sean said, like he's the man, like he is the number one player in the world. He's the favorite at every major for the next however many years, I guess uh, the non tiger favorite, I guess we should say, or, he loses historically and you know, that kind of thing. I think that sort of thing would affect him more than it would affect somebody like DJ. A hundred percent. Who I think actually doesn't care. Right. Like, just because he doesn't like 
think about it or just you just you just DJ actually is a good role model for pe- for people in terms of like just living day to day. Like I think he just is, shows up, he's present where he is, and he just does whatever he's doing. And people make fun of him for that, but I think it's actually kind of cool. I think it's I think it's legit. Now I don't know like anyway we don't need to get into that, but. I do think that a historic loss like this would affect Kepka uh, a lot more. So I think I think this weekend's big, and I, I think that he's going to go on to win. But uh, I don't know. There's a lot at stake. I would challenge the notion that a narrow win redef like like I think a win is a win for Kepka. Though mm-hmm. in the immediate aftermath, we would certainly be like, you know, oh my gosh. You know, what was that something that is showing a little bit of weakness after seeming so flawless? But I think a win is a win is a win for Kepka in terms of elevating him in the conversation of what this run means and where he stands among uh, the other greats in the game right now. If he gets chased down, Kyle, I think you're 100% right. Like, then all of a sudden, people are piling on and the chip on the shoulder and the, the then then Brando might actually uh, don that clown nose as you were asking for on Thursday. Like, I mean, like to, to lose here, like I don't want that to happen as, as a fan. I I told you I'm in and I'll say that as a fan of um, more engaging and entertaining conversations, the last thing that I want to do is try to define what Brooks Kepka's historic collapse means at the PGA championship. Yeah. It's just cleaner if he wins by 10 than if he wins by Two. True. Yes, a hundred percent. But I, yeah, and I think it's almost like the Tiger thing at the '09 PGA, where Kepka hasn't like nobody's like taken on Kepka and taken him down. Really. Look, Wai Yang's not walking through that door. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> literally, he missed the cut. Yeah, he, he actually Brooks walked out of the door. <laughs> Brooks doesn't have to worry about him. Uh, but no, like you, you know what I'm saying though. Like yeah. Brooks right now thinks like if somebody tries to take me on on the weekend, that's a wrap. Like I'm I'm winning that. Like that's over. And so I think, but if it goes the other way, that's, I I just think, I think there's something about it never happening before. And so it's almost like you want to be, you don't want to have every chance in the world, but you want to take advantage of the chances that you do have. And if you go like seven for seven on, on major closeouts, then I think that's the best thing rather than having like. 10 chances and it being in your head, like sort of like the Rory thing that, that we talk about a little bit mm. or even speed after the masters. Um, all right, gentlemen, any, uh, final notes or any, any spotlight you want to turn before you all get to that bump and media party. And, uh, and we, we put this out for the good people on Friday yeah, night three, and Saturday morning quick things on jazz. Real right. quick. Gosh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was ready for it. I, so I looked up in his, uh, profile, it said the way he qualified was by a special invitation. Do you know who offered well, the special they, invitation? They give quote unquote special exemptions to everyone in the top 100 of the world ranking because they want to have the whole top 100. Oh, and he's so it's 72. Like, I it's think. like a special exemption, but it's also given every year, so it's not that special. It's like a. It's basically like if you're in the top 100 in the world, you know you're getting invited to the PGA. Okay, because I told Kyle I was imagining that there's somebody in charge of the special invitations that's just. Uh, an Asian tour junkie and who's just like, thing we've got to get Tazzy here. I just love they have to write his name in a smaller font on the leaderboard. They've got to take it down to point 14. Yeah. <laughs> they, there was a, uh, some of the leaderboards like ran out of space. So instead of it saying, 
uh, Charles Howe the third. It was it was Charles Howe the second, which was hilarious, and also Harold Varner the second. Like they, their dads were playing well. They, they ran out of they ran out of one character on the leaderboard, and I'm like, can we just can we fix that? Or did any uh, club pros make the cut? Three. Wow. Marty Jertson, who's like an engineer for Ping, is is one over. So he 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 got Rory by two. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it was pretty impressive. I had uh, a I had a hate mailer come at me because I put Tiger Woods on the rooting index. Sure. Um, you know, with a detailed and expletive filled rant on all the ro- things that are wrong with Tiger, and mm. he did the rare move of the follow up even after the cut to point out all the PGA pros that made the cut and Tiger didn't. <laughs> That's that's pretty dedic. That, that's some dedication. I, I would only bring up such behavior on this podcast because I'm impressed by the dedication. How about uh, how about Rich Beam on Friday? Late uh, charge. What he bo- he birdied like five of his last six holes or something. Yeah, he went birdies at 13, 14, 16, 17, and 18. Back nine thirty for a guy who plays one tournament a year. He gained five strokes with his putter and he made the cut. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, you guys are awesome. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow him on Twitter at PJ Tour S Martin. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thanks, Chip. Thanks, Chip. <laughs>